Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Today on the show, we have Meg Clark of Clapping Dog Media. She is an SEO strategist and she teaches creative small business owners how to grow their organic traffic and rankings so they can make a greater impact and reach more people. She is also a sourdough bread genius by Moonlight. So (laughs) we have lots of bread references throughout this episode. I cannot wait for you to find them. But today we're taking it a little step further. And we had Meg on the show back in episode 45, talking about SEO for newbies. And today we're talking more for intermediate, advanced, and just updated SEO practices because it's been like three years since we had her on the show. So we're talking about stuff that you can do to prep your business and brand for a launch, what to do if you're pivoting and kind of talking about an entirely different topic or subject on your existing website that gets traffic. Her opinion and resources for finding targeting keywords and hidden SEO within your website and where it actually is best to spend your time these days because things are getting smarter, Google's getting smarter. And so how do our SEO practices need to update with that? So I can't wait for you to give this one a listen. Definitely grab a notebook because there's some suggestions that I think you can implement today right away and start thinking about. Hi, Meg. Welcome back to the show. Hello. Thank you. We're super excited to have you back. If you guys remember, if you have been long time listeners, you'll remember way back in episode 45, like <laughs> just 45, <laughs> no one or two or three or four in front of that. episode 45. We had Meg on to talk about SEO for newbies. And while Meg is currently our in-house sourdough starter bread expert over on the Facebook world, we're going to be chatting about not bread, but how to rise <laughs> to the top with SEO. It's okay. oh, <laughs> so corny. 
We're going to give you strategies on not only new and updated SEO practices, but we're going to do this for a little bit more intermediate to advanced listeners. So if you are that newbie, go back and listen to episode 45. It's still relevant. So we're going to do a little bit more advanced today. And we're also going to be talking about, you know, if you happen to still be in quarantine or just live in that work from home life still because your kid's school is canceled, here are some things that you can be working on for free in your I'm going to say downtime, even though you guys know I don't mean downtime. That's not what I'm implying. You know, in the bath on your second glass of wine at 10 a.m. If that's what you want to do, this is a great thing to busy yourself with. So Meg, hi. Thank you for being our sourdough person and our SEO person. I'm so happy to have you. That may be my favorite introduction of all time. Yes, <laughs> I, I, will, well. I will gladly talk all things bread <laughs> and SEO. I mean, uh-huh. what else are we going to be doing? Exactly. Uh, I mean, right? Literally well, what else? I feel like as like a mama bear, I need to report on how our SEO is going because <gasps> like, I feel like we've come so far we and have. we also desperately need maintenance. But yes. <laughs> but, you <laughs> know, hey, pick me. Our traffic used to be about, I don't know, 10%, 5% from Google, like fairly low. Just, I don't think it was because we didn't have the content. We definitely had the content. If we've got anything, it's content. (laughs) But like, I don't know. It hadn't risen to the top yet, I guess. Mm. And now- proofed yet. It had to proof for longer. Oh my God. <laughs> you needed more bulk fermentation is really what you <laughs> Oh, that's what we needed. We needed that. But now it's over 50% of our traffic to our website is straight from search, which we're getting thousands and thousands and thousands of hits a month. I'm not going to give you exact numbers because you guys don't need to like worry about our numbers. We want to boost yours. Mm-hmm. So I know her strategies work because I've taken a lot of what she's taught me to heart, but also put a lot of it on the back burner because I got busy with other things. So I don't even know where to start. If you, what would you say? Like if someone's like, I've done the initial Mm -hmm. groundwork for this Mm -hmm. and I'm ready to like really take it up a notch, what would you say? That's a great question. And that's typically what my clients come to me for is, Mm -hmm. hey, I've been in business for a couple of years and I've got a good foundation. What's next? And my number one advice is just to keep showing up. Know who you are and know the space that you want to take up on the internet and keep showing up. Since my last episode, a few years back, (laughs) um, Google has introduced this concept that we refer to as EAT. Okay. And it's, it's an acronym, but it goes right along with our bread talks. Right <laughs> as much as, it, as I want Google to tell me just to go and eat more bread, it actually does not. It's, <laughs> EAT is an acronym that stands for Expertise, Authority, and Trust. Okay. And that is what Google is trying to understand or capture mm-hmm. when it crawls websites. And that's kind of hard to do, to have a robot understand if you're an expert, if you have an authority in what you're saying, but there's a lot of things that you can do as a website owner Mm. to raise your eat score, if you will, to kind of fill you up, one might say. (laughs) 
And one of the easiest things to do or the best things to do is to keep showing up, to keep, if you say, like for me, I talk about SEO for creative entrepreneurs. That's what I talk about. I consistently Mm -hmm. talk about SEO for creative entrepreneurs and it's across the internet. I do it on my Instagram, on my Facebook, on my blog. It all supports each other. And therefore my traffic across the internet, across social media grows because I am known as the SEO for creative entrepreneurs. And therefore I build trust with Google because I am who I say I am throughout the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a simple answer, but it's not easy to implement is just to remain consistent in who you are and to keep putting your wisdom out there. I feel like this was one of the things that really challenged me the first time we worked with you was like trying to figure out like <laughs> what? what do we want to be known for on the internet, mm-hmm. which I know that sounds really elusive, but at the end of the day, when you're talking about SEO, ideally you're building something that's going to continue to fuel your business like literally years from now. Mm-hmm. And so if that's the case, you can't change your mind as often. <laughs> like you just got to keep going. And so like if you did a huge pivot on who you were talking to or the way in which you were showing up, then like you might still get traffic, but is it helpful traffic? Is it the right traffic? Right. For sure. I mean, it's easy, like, especially now. So we're in the middle of this coronavirus. There are more people on the internet now consistently and spending more time on the internet in the last week. It's like record breaking. It's mm-hmm. I know we're taking record. my bandwidth. Right. Killing all the bandwidth. Everybody's online. And so we could get traffic. You can easily get traffic by, you know, being clickbaity or dramatic, or it's easy to get traffic, but is it traffic that matters and converts? Mm-hmm. And that's really, that's really what SEO is all about because there are 6 billion Google searches a day. People, your clients, your tribe who wants to love you is proactively looking for the services that you offer. And so you have to know what you offer and be and show up as that person and show mm-hmm. up as that business. So it is a little you know, stare at your belly button thing to know who you are and what you want to be known for. But you really need to go through that branding process that Mm -hmm. who are you as a brand? What do you offer? Who do you serve? And really narrow it down. Because if you're just like, I am a VA and Mm -hmm. I will take my client as anybody who has a check, Mm -hmm. then no one cares. Like Mm -hmm. you can get traffic, but you're not so specialized. Nobody's Mm going to hire you. So once you get, once you kind of nail in and you narrow, you refine who you are, then you just need to be that person. Like SEO for creative entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think a question that some of our listeners might have, because we help our students do this on the business and the marketing side, but maybe you can give advice on the actual SEO side is that we have our baby business owners who start a business and they grow that and they have a website and they have existing clientele and then they do want to pivot. And so the question always comes, do I delete or change this Instagram? Do I delete or change this website? If I have existing traffic and I have existing content, what are the best practices for shifting that message with existing or starting fresh? 
Well, if you are getting traffic and you, let's just talk about a website for now. Mm -hmm. If you are getting traffic to your blog post and to your website, we want to keep those. Mm -hmm. And so I wouldn't delete them and have to build them up again. We want to take those people and transition with you. So let's say you have a blog post that gets like you have a blog post that maybe went a little bit viral, but is the one that's bringing in all of your traffic. Mm -hmm. My biggest recommendation is to not change it, not change the URL or anything, but add an update at the top that says, hey, you know, I used to be really focused on wedding photography and it turns out I'm shifting gears and I'm going to be more of a brand photographer and a travel photographer mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. Um, and just on the page that's getting the traffic, post an update and then also include links that would be helpful for the people that land there, like your new focus, your new services or how they can contact you. But the most important thing is to leave the pages that are getting traffic kind of alone, just add an update up there at the top. Okay. So do you, do you get dinged for like changing the content too much? Well, you know, I want to go back to eat. Like if you're claimed to be an expert in multiple things a lot, then Google's not going to trust you as much. Mm. And one of the ways which I should mention is that, that Google actually, the data that Google looks at to determine your eat factor are common metrics like your bounce rate. Mm. Is it a, is it above or below 70%? If you're getting people who are searching for you, and this is organic traffic bounce rate, if you get people who are searching for you and it looks like you have an answer on the search results page and the user clicks on you, do they stay there or not? Like, mm. did you properly answer the question? Did the user get what they were expecting to get is kind of the question that you kind of want to ask yourself. So if you have a good bounce rate, if you have multiple pages, per session. And if users are spending a long time on your site, these are all things that you can get off your Google analytics, like homepage. But if people are sticking around and clicking on multiple pages, those are really clear signals to Google that you are who you say you are and that you have authority in what you're talking about. Because from Google's perspective, if people are leaving your site, not reading multiple pages and are spending less than 20 seconds on your site, No one cares. No one wants to stay there. That's the wrong kind of traffic. Yeah. That tells Google that like, you're not answering the question that they were seeking. That they're looking for. Right. So if you pivot a lot, then I would imagine that some of those main metrics are going to dip down because you're not answering the right question. Somebody could have been right for you for an older business or an older purpose. Which is okay. Like don't deter that from you pivoting, but just recognize that what you can do to help that process of literally serving the people who are still going to land there mm-hmm. and know that maybe there's going to be a little transition in your analytics. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. So if we have the idea of what we want to focus on or what we want to like raise our search results for, like these are the three to five things I'd really like to be on the front page for where do we start? Like, do we edit existing content? Do we build new content around those things? Where would you recommend we spend our time? It's a great question. I would back up and say, once we know what we want to be found for, I would make sure that your blog categories are reflected of such. So you, let's say you have five things that you really want to be known for. Don't have 30 categories within your blog because the blog categories are something that Google reads 
as soon as they get to your site. So if you say, I am an expert in these 30 categories, Google's like, eh, I got that. Mm, probably not. So if you know what you want to be found for, build your structure of the website mm. around those things. So you make your categories the things that you want to be found for. I think that's super helpful and also helping plan content. Like if you're starting at the top of here's what I want to be known for, therefore here are the four to five categories I can have. Now I write in those categories and content plan. Mm -hmm. Done. That's exactly the content plan that I make for my clients. Mm -hmm. I try to say no more than eight blog categories. You can have it uncategorized, of course. And then you have a behind the scenes so that maybe you can be a little bit more personal Mm -hmm. and add some personality to your site. But I really want to stick to a core number of expertise. And then you fill it out. You go through your old content, you see where it all fits, and you fill in the holes. Mm -hmm. And this goes back to eat because what I want And the metrics that matter is I want people to binge read my content. I want to make it easier if they're learning about content planning or content marketing. I want them to get on my site, find it really easy to navigate amongst posts, have it really easy for them to see what's linked and related and just binge read. So they spend more time on my site and they click on multiple pages. All good signals to Google. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... I love this, but I, every time anyone's on our podcast, y'all know I'm like, mm-hmm. get information that's relevant to me. Okay. So say for instance, we have this website called the creative template shop yes. and we sell marketing materials. Just do, I, asking for a friend, just, just for asking. an example, just for yeah. an example. So we already have a ton of content related to design and Canva and like, I get confused on coming up with the exact terms. Like I can come up, and I know other people struggle with this, which is why I'm asking. It's not totally self-serving, you guys. Mm-hmm. I but get this that is our podcast and we'll ask what we want. <laughs> but like, I get the like concept of what it's about, but how do we figure out what is the term that is mm. going to be the most effective? Like, are we talking about DIY design? Do we actually use the word Canva, which is technically the name of another business? Do we talk about sales and marketing tools? Like, those all feel extremely different, but they're technically all talking about the same thing. So how would you figure out which one is going to be the most helpful? I love this answer. And this has totally changed since our previous chat oh, a millennia yeah. ago. So with the invention or with the common use of voice search and Alexa mm-hmm. and Siri, and I have to be quiet or I'm going to set mm-hmm. off all of my devices, but with voice search... Google has really honed in on the intention of what you were writing about and then the intent of what the user is actually searching for. So Google is using artificial intelligence to try to understand what it thinks you're actually saying. And you have seen this come to play with, you know, when either the girls, Siri or Alexa or Google say, oh, you asked this, but this is actually what I'm searching for because you have a misspelling or they have related searches right next to it that they Did think you would be more helpful. This? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So all of that to say is we don't have the exact wording is different than it was three to five years ago. Mm. The specific word 
super helpful. However, Google's really trying to understand and it's not going to ping you. It's not going to penalize you if you have a word out of order or if you're missing a word or if you use design and marketing tools and you don't use the word Canva. It's trying to understand the point of what you're saying, your intention. And it works on both sides as the searcher and the content marketer. So that word is not nearly as important as it was years ago. Wow. Hmm. And that's only, I feel like, going to continue to get even better tech-wise and become, not that it's less important to think about it and use still use those keywords in your context, but like they're getting so smart. <laughs> they're getting so smart. And so like one great way that I illustrate this is like on my website, for example, I have a couple of pages. I have a couple of blog posts and a service page that's ranking for several hundred keywords. Like I have one blog post and I'm sure Boss Project is exactly the same where you have a couple of blog posts that are ranking for hundreds of keywords. And that's because Google is using its intelligence, seeing what people are Googling. Mm. Then they're watching the users go to your page. And so they're making your keyword profile, if you will, very rich and robust because they're seeing how users are interacting with your site. Mm -hmm. So my biggest recommendation is don't get stuck on wording or the little things. Don't look at a micro level, look at a macro level Mm -hmm. and make sure that you are, if you have a page or a post that's talking about, you know, marketing tools, then You can talk about marketing tools or techniques for better marketing or tools that you like to use or our preferred tools. Mm -hmm. All of that's fine because the intention is going to be easily to determine. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, it's a little bit of a relief, but it also, as someone who likes exact answers, that (laughs) makes it more hard for me, but I get what you're saying. I get where you're going. I think one of the other things people tend to get really caught up in is like the back end side of SEO. Mm-hmm. Like they get the writing, the content, but like, you know, this isn't 1992 where mm-hmm. you like padded your code with keywords. Mm-hmm. Like they're crawling our websites and they're artificially intelligently reading them, <laughs> which is really intimidating to me. But are there special things we're supposed to be doing on the back end of our content, like in the like more of our settings and that kind of thing that set us up for success? Yeah, the whole SEO tab on Squarespace. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> yes, I will say if it's a pie chart, the technical SEO part is about 10 to 15 percent versus the 85 to 90% that's actually the words and the content and how you're showing up. So the technical aspect is important and you will grow, you will get more organic growth if you have your technical stuff in ship shape. However, it is not everything. So I don't want anybody to feel like, oh my gosh, I have all this content and it's to waste because I haven't done my technical stuff. Mm -hmm. So it is important, but it's not everything. And my Biggest recommendation, honestly, I like the SEO tab in Squarespace. That is a really nice, it makes you feel good because Mm -hmm. you have properly filled that in. You have put, Mm -hmm. you know, good titles in there and good meta descriptions. But again, I just want to just emphasize there are millions of websites out there that are ranking very well Mm -hmm. who haven't entered their SEO title and their meta description back there because Google's reading your content. 
Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. My question, when you, you keep saying content, my head automatically goes to blog post content, right? Mm-hmm. And on Boss Project, we have a shit ton of blog post content that can cover all of our categories, all of our words, and give us more opportunity for Google to crawl and hear our site and offer us a suggestion. For Creative Template Shop and for my personal brand that I sell earrings, no blog content. There's just products. There's maybe page descriptions where we're talking a little bit more about the membership or a little bit more about earrings or FAQs or about us. There's no content. Mm 
there's a new stuff being added all the time, but it's products. Is that enough? Yes. Okay. Show up, put new content on. Now for e-commerce sites, one thing that I see all the time and I'll back up and I'll try to reveal how Google actually crawls e-commerce websites. But one thing that I want is I understand there's not blog posts. There's not a ton of content. It's a different industry. And Here's an earring. Let me write a blog post about it. <laughs> Here's a blue earring here. I was inspired by go. the sky one day. No. <laughs> so when, let me tell you this. So when Google gets to the, your big shop page, Google's going to read the title and then it's going to come down and read the main navigation links. And then it goes and it sees all your products Mm -hmm. because they're images and they're links. Google is going to follow every one of those links to refer back to the shop homepage to understand what that shop page Mm -hmm. is all about. So it follows the links just to get an understanding. So my biggest recommendation for all e-commerce sites is to have two or three sentences at the top above your product pages that explain in words what it's on that page. These are earrings. These are handmade. They're vintage. They're artisan. They're whatever. And that will really help Google and save Google. I'm going to write that down. From crawling all of the links. Okay. Okay. Because I change that header every single time. I like, because my things sell out. And so they're not there all the time. There are some times where there's no products available. So having that sentence live there forever. Forever is really going to be helpful. And the other thing that I meant to talk about before, but I got distracted was Mm -hmm. the Google search console. And this is really easy to set up via Squarespace. It's just under like the advanced settings. You can connect to a third party, but the Google search console, it's found at google.com slash webmasters. It's the way that you communicate to Google. And so it's really helpful to have an account for your website so that if you get penalized or if Google's mad at you about something, they'll send you a message. It's the mm. only way to communicate directly with Google about your website. Wow. Is that They're one mad of those. At you. Wow. Yeah. Sometimes they get mad at you. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I just set that up the other day, actually, ironically. It's like I, it's like I know what I'm doing or something. <laughs> No, ma'am. I, need I just to set that up. For I mine. just tried to click on a button in Squarespace Analytics, and it said you need and it opens. this. And I was like, "Oh, okay, I'll set that up." Oh, and then I did that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I clicked that same button. No, yeah, like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, because I wanted to know what terms I was ranking for. Which, yeah, right. I mine you, was not helpful. Oh well, I'm sure. I think it depends on how long your website's been around. If you do mm-hmm. have content, I mean, because yeah. it changes, mm-hmm. you know. My personal blog does rank for a couple of things, but it's nothing in comparison to Boss Project because it's been around way longer and it has... It has backlinks. It has other people linking to you. Totally, Mm -hmm. totally. Mm -hmm. Like there's so much other stuff going on behind the scenes. So I get that we're talking about intermediate strategies, but say we're wanting to like build a branch off of what we do. And I know a lot of business owners base these decisions solely on ease of building. So for instance, like they want to go build another product and to them, it might be easier to go build it on a completely different website, which has its own links and own URL and all because we've done this 10 plus times. Well, but I also no, but I also know that other people have too, that they'll build out sales pages elsewhere. Do you think ultimately that's like a dangerous practice in terms of SEO or 
do we need to be backlinking to these in our main website or I don't know, how do you connect the web of what you have going on? Well, that's, and this is a good question. And I, I did, I did this with a good friend of mine, just not long ago who sells products. So he sells office products, like cool, like modern office products, but then he also sells t-shirts and they're kind of not related. I mean, they have the same aesthetic and feel. And so we were kind of in the same boat and because they had the same aesthetic and the same ethos of how he wanted to show up. He wanted to show up as modern and cool and just kind of millennial and awesome. He put it all on one website. And I think it's wonderful because he has a lot of traffic for his office products. And it was easy to sell them on the look and feel of his shirts. Mm -hmm. If you are a business and it's not necessarily like physical products, and they're not necessarily related. If you do build a separate website, I think that's okay as long as you kind of connect them because you're going to have your your main website getting a lot of traffic and you're getting you're building trust and authority. And so if you build a new website that doesn't have all that trust and authority, you really need to connect the two. I highly recommend you kind of blog on both sides and say, oh, I'm doing this other project and you can find it more about it over here, but really need to reference those so that the second website can grow and off of the authority of your first website. Because oftentimes what happens when you keep building new websites is you forget the primary one and then you spend all this effort building up the second one. And then maybe you go off and you do it to the third one. If you're not purposely linking them and supporting each other as a business, you end up with two mediocre websites with kind of like average SEO health versus really building upon each other and building on the authority and the traffic and the links that the other ones are already getting. So I know this answer is kind of vague, but you really do need to ensure that there's linking back and forth so that Google can connect them and share that authority and traffic because it's hard to do otherwise. Mm. So I think one of the things I'm seeing a lot in our industry, like just among creative small business owners is they build like a main brand Mm -hmm. website. That also tends to be where the only place they put content other than social media. And then then when they build out products, they separate them and put them in la la land. Like they don't exist, even though they obviously do. And that's where they sell them. What I'm hearing you say, I'm just wanting to make sure for the other people, does it make sense to also have some content on these other websites, even if it's not like an active navigational link? Like, should you have blog listed or is it hidden? Like, you know what I'm saying? Well... I think it's it's just really hard to go that route. Like if you have a lot of traffic on a website, then your people that are coming there, serve the people that are already there. So you don't have to go and acquire them again. If you've already acquired all this traffic, you might as well sell to them all in one space. Mm-hmm. But if you have, it's like go to where the people are. Right. Like you don't open restaurants so, in the middle of a desert. You open them where the city is, where all the people are. So don't do what we did and like build like seven other websites. 
it just makes it harder for Google to make that connection. Sure. It's harder for you as a business owner to make those connections as well. And to keep the authority going, like you need to keep showing up. You need to keep saying, reminding people who you are and showing Google and the world that you're an expert. And if you keep building all these websites, that's just more work for you because you have to keep doing that on all of the sites. Yeah. Yeah. No, for, I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yes. <laughs> it's a little overwhelming, but I think it's helpful. I feel like people are going to look at this and be like, if I had all this time and this was the only thing I could do, like I would spend all this time on this. But a lot of business owners don't see SEO as like revenue generating. And mm-hmm. like now more than ever, they're like, I don't even know how I'm going to make money next week anyway, just because everything's so bizarre. So is there a way to make SEO revenue generating one? Yes. I made 4% of my revenue so far in 2020 from SEO. 4%. 4%. 4 could be a lot depending on how much you're making. Don't laugh at that. I'm not laughing. So I'm just curious from your perspective, Meg, what- That's with me not trying. No, I know. I know. But like, what could we be doing that- actually is serving us not just long run, but could help boost sales. Yeah. Well, I just want to point out, I have a really good friend who is very active in, she's an affiliate for a very big, somebody that everybody has heard of who has a school, you know, a school that opens a couple of weeks a year. Mm. And so she's an affiliate for them. Yeah, And we've been working together on her SEO for a couple of years. And this was, she does very well with this affiliate program. And this was the first year that she made more money from her organic traffic than all of the, her reaches out and the webinars. Wow. And all of them. It amazing. works. It works. And because she wanted to, she really wanted to be known for as the best, like the best program, the best add-on, the best bonus for this particular program. And that's what she's ranking (laughs) for. So when people Google, what's the best affiliate program for a specific client? Yeah. Heck yeah. That's amazing. And she she backs it up. Just sure, It's it's not just because you can't just put bullshit into Google and then it's going to work for you. (laughs) She has a really good bonus. Yeah, for sure. She's like, only successful because Google. No. Right. And so that's so interesting. Successful. So mm-hmm. like how far as that is an example, if you were going to do something to build organic traffic for say a launch, mm-hmm. I would, like, yeah, how I far would. out are we talking to try to like set that up or what would you even Seven do? Years. I mean, well, so it's a multiple step thing. You know, her site is really well optimized. It's connected. The things that, you know, the technical stuff is done. We've worked together for a year because we're really, we're good friends and we, we just help each other out. So she has a really good editorial calendar that all supports her message. Mm-hmm. She is a, um, an advisor, a coach, a consultant, a helper, and she has, you know, tons, years of content that support that. So that when she wants to pivot and promote a school, people have already are trusting her and she's getting traffic for being a good coach and a good consultant and a good helper and a good advisor. So, you know, this particular program, I think is January, February-ish it opens. And so we start in the fall of Mm -hmm. just her content and she does podcasts as well as blog posts. And sometimes it's the same content, just in two different mediums. Mm -hmm. And we talk about her planning out her best affiliate bonus. And she does, 
you know, she sends out a survey and it's all on our blog of like, what would you be interested in? And so the content feels very natural to rank for these keywords because it is. But this year for her, we started in like November, mm-hmm. you know, once a month, putting up good content regarding this in November and December, we moved it to twice a month. She was writing specifically for this niche that she wanted to get ranked for. And then January, it was every week. Interesting. So it was Dude, a ramp. I just, right now, I feel like my head is spinning. Like, and I know other business owners can relate. And just with everything going on, the like working through in your head, should I change or pivot my messaging? Should I adjust the content I'm building? Do I need to cancel this launch or move forward? Should I take this time to like focus more on some of this back end work so that I am stronger later? I don't know. Yes. I like, mm-hmm. I want to do all of it and I'm, I'm really actually pretty inspired to work on it, but right now my plate feels like mm-hmm. overflowing. It's so I would love from your perspective to go into talk strategy to me. Like if we were to just take the top couple of things you think could make the biggest difference, the quickest, mm-hmm. where would you start? That's a great question. The first thing I would do is look how your site, how your content is organized. And I don't care if they're blog posts, videos, podcasts, it's all the same. I want your content that you produce to be in these chunks, these big pillar ideas and really kind of chunk those out so that you you have a clear idea of what you want to write about, who you are. So if it's about a launch in three months or two months, should you be focusing on it? My question is, have you been focusing on it? Have you been talking about that? Or is this going to be a brand new thing? If it's a brand new thing, then I would say you need to write about it and you need to talk people through your mindset and kind of behind the scenes for a month or two before you can just put a launch on them. Mm -hmm. So I want it all to feed into each other. Like it all needs to be related. So what are your core things that you talk about? And then you can have all of the launches and all of the pivots based off of those. But don't just pivot if it's going to feel out of the blue. You need to talk about it before you pivot. You need Warm to pivot. Up, yeah. And then you need to tell people that you pivoted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In terms of like the technical things, would you just focus mainly on new content? Would you deep dive into things you've done before and edit things or like improve SEO, where would you spend your time? So the first thing I would do is go to my Google analytics, go to site content, figure out what pages are getting your traffic, right. open it up to like a six month time frame. Look at your top 50 pages. If there is a couple of pages that are in your kind of categories that are getting a lot of traffic, And that needs to be edited. If like one of your most popular pages needs to be edited, edit those. But there's no need to edit content that nobody's seen. So if nobody's looking at it, if you're only getting five visits in six months, ignore it and create new content. Mm -hmm. Only edit it if you're getting traffic. Yeah. So what's your threshold for getting traffic? Well, it's all in relation to how much traffic you're currently getting. So let's say you get a thousand hits a month just to make it easy. Sure. And if you, uh, my limit for that is 25. If you get 25 hits and in analytics, it'll show you how long people are spending on that page. Mm. If people are reading that page and it needs to be edited, edit it. But if it's less than 25 or people are spending less than 10 seconds on it, Mm -hmm. don't bother. Don't worry about it. Okay. 
I think that's helpful. I think if you guys maybe break down, like give yourself an audit first and see, is there any old content that you can revamp or do you need to focus on new content? And that will kind of give you the headspace of where you can direct that attention. And then I know a lot of people who are prepping launches for later this year after this weird bubble that we're in right now. So I think we can use this time to our advantage and spend the prep time and do the prep work right. Yes. Good. I love that. If you have a launch coming up, you don't have to, you know, give all of the details, but the value that that launch is going to give to people, you need to start talking about of how you provide that value and that you are the go-to person in that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's funny is I'm realizing we do this a lot with our podcast. So we will change content based on what we're talking about in our podcast to prep and lead up to a launch, but that's it. Like we don't really do anything with that gets posted to our website, but like, I wonder what next level we could do for that type of content to take it a little step further. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, are there any resources that you want to share for our listeners or where people can go hang out and learn more from you online? Sure. Well, you can certainly learn more from me. I spend a lot of time doing Instagram stories. My Instagram is at clappingdogmedia. My blog is clappingdogmedia.com. And I do have one really great, very free resource that I recommend. And it's called Uber Suggest. U-B-E-R Suggest. It's a free resource. Google it. And it will give you keywords that you're ranking for. It will tell you the most you know, popular pages on your site and you can test and get new keywords. So if you're kind of building that blog post and you're like, what can this be about? It will give you ideas for keywords. Now I will say it is a free tool. It is not as accurate as some of the paid tools that I use, but it is a wonderful resource to get started with. So definitely use Uber suggest. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. It was fun to be here. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.